So today we're going to be talking about making, we're going to continue our series called Making the Right Commitments. And listen, I, I can say it's the right commitment. And it'd be easy for you to just go, well, how do you know what's right for me? I do know. Because God says this is what you and I can commit ourselves to. And with confidence, we can say, all right, these are the right commitments. So we've talked about making a commitment to God. We've talked about making a commitment to love. We've talked about making a commitment to his plan. And today we're going to be talking about making a commitment to his mission in your life. Wouldn't it be great if you could maximize the value of your life? Wouldn't that be awesome? Suddenly your life is so meaningful and you've maximized the value of your life where it really matters. That's something that I don't know about you, but I'm very interested in in my own life. And, and everyone wants meaning in their life. Everyone tries to create purpose in their life and, and we'll get all kinds of different activities and hobbies and events and things that we commit ourselves to. But have we truly committed ourselves to the one thing that absolutely maximizes our value, maximizes who we were created to be? And not only that, but it maximizes all of our experiences and everything that we've done in life and everything that's happened to us. It maximizes that and puts all of that to work. And God says, I don't waste anything. I don't waste your pain. I don't waste your experiences. I use it all for my kingdom. But the problem is that so often when we have a problem, when we have something that happens to us or even a, a failure that we have in our own lives, we get stuck. We stop there and we get stuck. Maybe we lose somebody or, or we, we've made a huge failure and God says, whoa, I didn't, I didn't allow that. And, and sometimes I didn't cause that, God says, so that you would be stuck. I allowed that or I caused it in your life so that you would then move on to my mission. All of your life can be used for my mission, God says. I have a friend, he was a great baseball player when he was a kid and, and in his teenage years, he went on to college and he was playing baseball. And he had a great career ahead of him in baseball. But he was in a car with a friend of his, he was 22 years old, and just a, a mile or two from the house that they were going to, his friend fell asleep at the wheel. And so this guy has been sitting in a wheelchair for the last 20 plus years because his friend fell asleep at the wheel. And some of you feel like that. Some of you feel like, man, why is my life still stuck from so many years ago? This happened to me and here I am stuck to this day. Some people have been abused, stuck in that abuse from many years ago, stuck in an addiction from years ago. Some people lost someone. Some people have lost hope. Some people lost trust, lost trust in God maybe. When is God going to come through for me? They gave up, and it seems like evil has won. And like we talked about last week, these moments in your life are there to be setups for God's mission. And God never intended your pain to keep you stuck, to get you stuck in life. Your pain is a setup for his mission. Your failures are a setup for his mission. How many of you are glad for that? Two of us? Have you forgot about your failure? It's a setup for his mission. 
The delays in your life are setups for his mission. You see, God is always trying. What's his mission? He's always trying to reach people. It's his mission. You understand that, don't you? That is God's mission. He wants to reach people. But God is doing more than that. God is also trying to recruit people to his mission. And how many of you are saved? That means he's trying to recruit you to his mission. God never intended for your pain to push you into an addiction. God never intended your pain to get you stuck and overcome you. And, if, and listen, when you weren't saved, God was trying to reach you. And now that you are saved, God is trying to recruit you. And like the scripture that I read at the very start here, Matthew chapter 28, this is just before Jesus ascended. He said, I, I want you to go do what I want with the rest of your life. This is my mission. Now, can you imagine seeing a football team where, you know, you got, what, 80 people on the field ready to play for this team? Can you imagine seeing 20% of them do all of the work and the rest of them just could kind of care less whether we won today? Wouldn't that be frustrating if you were on that team? And so often that's what the church is like. I love it that the Relate Church honestly is not this way. Uh, we're probably 80% in and 20% are just kind of like, oh, whatever, whatever happens today. I'm just going to look cool at least. God is trying to recruit you. And now that you're saved, he wants you to help him save others. And listen, you get wisdom from your pain. You get street cred from your pain, from your struggles. People will respect you because of your pain. People will listen to you because of your struggles. And, and you get experience. And the scripture talks so much about how you get endurance from going through difficult times, right? And when you begin looking at your life from that perspective, suddenly it just makes sense. And when you begin looking at other people's lives from that perspective, you can see farther and you can see more clearly in their lives what God has done in their life so that they can begin to get onto his mission in their life. And, and it's so often in the church when we look at people, when we look at their failures, when we look at their struggles, people are judgmental and they're they're seeing it from a judgmental perspective that, hey, this is, we need to let you know that you must be doing something wrong. And Jesus had that situation. They brought a guy to him. They were like, hey, Jesus, was this guy born blind because his parents sinned? Or was this something in his own life that he sinned? And Jesus was like, none of that. The guy didn't sin. His parents, it wasn't about his parents' sin that brought this guy to this place in his life. The reason this guy has been blind all his life was for the glory of God for this very moment. Because guess what? I'm going to heal him. And so much of your life will begin to make sense. And so much of other people's lives will begin to make sense. So in the church, what do we do? We encourage one another that no matter what failure, no matter what pain, no matter what struggle we're going through, hey, God is setting you up to do ministry. You have people in your life that you want to reach for Christ, don't you? And... We have co-workers, we have family members, we have friends, we have neighbors that we would love to see come to Christ. 
or come back to Christ. And, but you need to know this. You have people in your life that you were created to reach. That your purpose and meaning in life was that you would be able to reach them for Christ. There are specific people, I believe, that are assigned with your name on them, that your, your experiences in life and your passion and your struggles and your pain, and all of it will make sense to them in order for you to reach that one person. There's some responsibility in that, isn't there? A person laying in the road after an accident is willing to receive some medical help, aren't they? Now, before that, they're just like, hey, I'm fine. Everything's great. Leave me alone. Why do I need a medic? Why do I need an ambulance coming for me? But you put that person in the middle of the highway laying on the road, they're glad to hear the medic. They're glad to hear the sirens coming their way. And there are times that you will find that people have suddenly come to a place where they're willing to listen to you. They've got a situation in their marriage, they've got a situation in their family, their kids, or maybe it's a health situation, whatever it is, God will bring them to a place right before your very eyes when you can help them and you can be there for them. People at work that you have no idea that you influence them. They're watching, they're listening, they're paying attention to you and you have no idea that they're watching how you conduct yourself because why they're looking to see if you've got something that they want in, in their life uh, you go to Walmart this is where mom runs into a lot of people and dad's sitting out in the parking lot losing his religion <laughs> mom's in there trying to reach somebody she just needs to come back out and restore father right you're gonna find yourself in an, in an emergency room at some point, and maybe, okay, I'm not speaking this over you, okay? You might find yourself in an emergency room situation. Why? Because there's a nurse or a doctor that might need to be reached. You'll find yourself in situations that you didn't plan. They're just maybe, they may just seem like a frustrating moment in life. And God has a purpose and a reason for you to be there at that specific time right then and right there. You have no idea who God is going to take you to and what God is going to put you through in order to you, for you to accomplish his mission. And the question is, is he really your boss? Do you really trust him with these moments in your life? And here's what you need to know when that moment comes. God has prepared you for that moment. Your experiences in life, all of it that we've talked about, all of it has prepared you for that moment. You're equipped. You have life experience. You have street cred for that moment. You have scars. You have history. You have a story that is just for that person at just that moment, knowing that it's going to happen. And here's what I know also. Your children, your friends, your family, there are people that God is preparing right now, even in this church, to be the one that can reach that person in your life and that can speak into their life with what they've gone through in their life. God is preparing. God is making someone useful and ready for the kingdom of God to do his mission in those people's lives that we're praying for on, your, and on, on our prayer list. The people that you're so concerned about, God is preparing someone right now. You, if you pray for anybody, pray for them. Pray that God would give them the ability to see the moment when it happens. And you also need to know this, that God has appointments scheduled for you in people's lives. 
for you to make that difference. He has moments planned for you, specific times, specific places, specific people that he's going to take you to or he's going to bring them to you. And you've got to be ready. And guess what? He's preparing you. He's preparing you. One time I had a, a, it was a brand new ceiling fan in our bedroom. And anytime we turn it on, it was just brand new. And it was making this horrible noise. And I thought, man, this is ridiculous. This, seriously, we can't get a ceiling fan right now? And so I, eventually, after a couple of months of just putting up with it, you know, I finally boxed it back up. I had the box still. So I boxed it back up and I took it back to the store. And I was standing there in line for a, a, a while, you know, you got to wait for people in, in the return lane and stuff. And, and uh, so nobody, I noticed nobody had come in line behind me or anything. But finally, it came my time to present the ceiling fan. And so I started telling the lady, hey, this is, this is what's going on. It's making a horrible noise. I'd really just like to exchange it. She started working on the exchange. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just quickened me to say, hey, is there anything I can pray with you about? As soon as I said that, oh, God, I was, I was like, oh, God, why did you have me do that? She immediately started crying and just, I mean, she just lost it. And it was absolutely amazing. For the next 15 minutes, not one person came behind me in line. Nobody else came to the service counter. It was a moment for this woman. Just, I mean, it was like the woman at the well. You understand that? And, and, and I look back and I'm thinking, okay, the ceiling fan was a setup. All of my frustration with a brand new fan was a setup for that moment in time. And I was able to share Christ with this, this lady and pray with her. And God's got those moments for you. But you know what? If you're still frustrated about the ceiling, so frustrated about the ceiling fan that you can't see that moment, you're going to miss it. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to my loved ones, for the people that are assigned to meet my loved ones, I hope they're able to overcome their frustration about the ceiling fans in life. And to be able to see that this was a setup, this was a moment that God had in time and in history for this person to be touched by his, by his ability in their life. And listen, when you're suddenly in that moment, you need to know that he has equipped you. Don't be afraid of it. Believe in it. I love the story that my dad has told, and I've, I've told this sometimes throughout the years. Uh, he was at a, a place getting his car fixed, and he was sitting in the, in the waiting area for his car to be fixed. And while he was sitting there, the Holy Spirit just said, hey, you need to pray for the guy behind the counter. And my dad was like, hmm, that wasn't God. No, you need to pray for the guy behind the counter. Are you serious, God? And he sat there, and you know my dad, he just kind of wiggled around in his seat. I don't think so. That's just me. That's... And God kept saying, you need to pray for the guy behind the counter. And finally, the guy behind the counter goes, hey, could you pray for me? <laughs> that is an honest-to-God true story. He has assignment for you in people's lives. He's prepared you. He's equipped you. Be confident and know that he will use you even in your humanness, even in your faults. And in fact, because of your faults and because of your failures, and because of your pain, all of that he's used to equip you. So let's, let's, let's do a working definition of a gospel presentation. You guys know what the word gospel means? 
good news. God's not asked you to go out and share bad news. That's what we have the news for. And did you hear about that accident? Oh, and we just dwell on all the bad news. It gets people's attention. But he's given you good news to go out and share. That's happiness. So a gospel presentation, let's define it as this. When you present any part of the story of what Jesus did for you and someone else. When you present any part of the story. You don't have to share the whole story in one setting. You can just present a little piece of it. Isn't that encouraging to know? Something as simple as, oh man, I'm so glad Jesus died for me and you. That's a gospel presentation. That's sowing seed. Something as small as that. So there are four different things that I've just given you here real quick. One is you present God. Point people towards Him. Someone shares something that's going on. Oh man, Father, I know that you're going to help them. You can just quickly pray something like that. Point them towards God. God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. That's a gospel presentation. Uh, second part is man. Up, down. God, man. And we're, we need him. We need his help in our lives. We need his love. And, and what are we saying? You can have a relationship with him. The third part of it is Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to pay for all of our sins so that we could have a relationship with him. Any little part of this, and the last part has to do with their response. Are they going to respond? Hey, if you're ever interested in responding to Christ, if you're ever interested in responding to God's love, feel free to holler at me. I mean, just something that's just conversational. You can do this. You can communicate these things. And any little part is a seed that can one day begin to grow. Some sow seeds, some sow, some plant. You guys know what I'm saying. Some sow seed and some pour water on the seed, right? And you've got to do your part. One day Jesus walked into Jericho and his focus was on reaching the lost. This was Jesus' focus. This is what he was thinking about as he walked into Jericho. And there was a guy there that we know quite a bit about, little details in his life. And, and you know, we know that this guy was a chief tax collector because the Bible tells us that, which means he was a mega crook. And we know that he was a rich man. Because he stole a bunch of money. He was a big crook. And we also know that the guy was a little guy. We don't know how little he was, but he was a little guy. And it was enough to make a comment about he was a little guy. You guys know who I'm talking about by now. His name was Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. You know. So Zacchaeus, he saw Jesus was coming into town. And he was like, okay, there's no way I'm going to be able to see him. The crowd is pressed around him. And he saw where Jesus was headed. So he, he ran ahead with his little legs, and he jumped up, and he said, oh, I can't get up in this tree, so someone threw him up in the tree. I'm making that part up, just see if you guys are awake. <laughs> he gets up in the tree, and he's up there, and he's watching, and you can imagine, Zacchaeus is thinking, man, there's no way that Jesus would ever pay attention to a guy like me. I have stolen, I've messed over people so bad, and there's, but I want to see him. He's a celebrity coming into town, and I want to see him. And man, if I could, I would really like to get to know him. You could, you could just sense that he really wanted to see what Jesus was about. And, and whether or not he could know him, he didn't think that would ever be a possibility. And it says that when Jesus reached the tree, and I love this, 
he just looked up. And you can imagine Zacchaeus, as Jesus is approaching, he's like, and Jesus looks up. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. He knows my name. Man, did I, did I cheat his mom out of something? <laughs> How does he know my name? Did I steal from him? And we know that when Zacchaeus came down, it's really interesting to read it in just a second. We know that he just bowed down. He bowed down. He put his little knees on the ground. And he bowed. Zacchaeus was ready for change, and Jesus knew it. Why? Because he was paying attention as he, as he walked into town. He's, listen, there's crowded people around, a crowd of people around him, and, and Jesus is walking through town. People are pressing on him. You, you've heard the descriptions like when the woman with the issue of blood finally made it to him, and that's what Jesus was dealing with. He didn't have some kind of secret service around him or anything like that. Jesus was just a guy walking through town that people always want. And you can imagine there were other people that were standing there that had been thinking. They had heard Jesus was coming, so they probably cleaned their house because it was customary for them to, to bring guests that came into town into their home, and it would be awesome if Jesus would come to my house. So they probably cleaned their houses, preparing for the possibility that Jesus would come to their house that day. So they're all pressed around him, and Jesus comes into town, and there's one person on his mind. Who is it that I'm here to see? And he looks over, and he sees this little guy in a tree, and he walks up, and he looks up at him. Zacchaeus comes down and bows, and look what it says. The people got angry, muttering, Brr. he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. I got up and cleaned my house yesterday. I thought he would come to my house. I thought he would look in this crowd and see how great I am, or at least choose somebody that's worthy of him going to their house today. But Zacchaeus, and this is where it says, he stood up. So he was kneeling down. He stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What is he saying? My focus is to do exactly what just happened. This man's life has changed. And we've entered into a relationship with each other. You see, Jesus could have come in focused on so many other things other than this. People surrounding him, being excited over all the fuss that was in the crowd. Wow, this is exciting. These people must be filled with faith because I'm here. You could imagine all the different things he could have been focused on. But he walked into town. And listen, he could have been focused on his own reputation as well. He could have been like, man, I, I, I need to look good. And going home with the worst sinner, the most hated person in this, in this town is not going to look good. So at least I could just say hi to Zacchaeus. Jesus wasn't worried about his reputation. He just loved Zacchaeus. And he saw someone that was ripe and ready for life change. And in that moment... He was there. 
You're going to have the same experiences in your life. The same opportunities. But the question is, will you see Zacchaeus? Will you see him? They're going to be sitting there waiting and watching for that moment that you walk in. Maybe not even knowing that it's you that they're waiting and watching for. I remember one guy that every time I'd walk into this location where I was a chaplain, I didn't know it, but he, I found out later, he would duck out and just get away from me. And he told me later, after he came to Christ, this story, he said, man, when you would come to the worksite, I would just get away as, as quickly as I could because I felt so bad about myself. That's not what I want. But that was his interpretation. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in John Horn's driveway, and I didn't make it to the meeting that night because I was on the phone with this guy for an hour, and he came to Christ right there on the phone. Well, I deserved a clap. <laughs> Too late. First or second service will, so you guys know. <laughs> wow, that was great. You're welcome, Amy. Jesus walked into town looking for who was ready for life change. And you're surrounded by people just like Zacchaeus all day long. How do we know this condition of Zacchaeus's heart? Because so many people were blessed after he came to Christ. Has your family been blessed because you came to Christ? Have your friends been blessed because you came to Christ? Has the community recognized that you came to Christ? Zacchaeus went and he paid back all these people that he had stolen from. He gave half of all his possessions to the poor. He blessed the people around him because... He came to Christ. He may have been a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, but he became a giant that day in that community because of what Jesus did. That's huge. And it's interesting that Zacchaeus, when, when Jesus said, you're saved, you're in the kingdom of God now, it was after Zacchaeus said, Jesus I'm going to go and make everything right. He didn't come to Jesus and, and he wasn't like, hey, you know, come on, Jesus, let bygones be bygones. You know, all the stuff that I've done. All right, we're going to call it today. No, Zacchaeus recognized that he had hurt people and he understood the heart of Christ was that we go and we fix things. We make things right because of what Jesus has done in our life. And that's relationship. That's relationship with him and relationship with people. So why did this happen to Zacchaeus? Because Jesus saw him. Now, Zacchaeus had a part to play in it too. But we're talking about reaching the lost today. We're talking about being on the mission. Jesus saw him. And how many times do we miss the people that are ready around us every day? When you walk into work tomorrow, I challenge you. Ask him, Father, who's ready? Who's ready? And see them when you walk into the store. Father, 
Are you calling? Listen, I may be out of milk and this is frustrating that that's all I got to run to the store and get. But maybe, just maybe, you've got me here to reach somebody, to speak to somebody, to encourage somebody. And when you walk in your neighborhood and you're walking around the neighborhood and you look and, and see people, just say, Father, is there somebody that I can stop and say hi to? Somebody that I can reach for you? Somebody that I can sow at least a little seed into their life? One day, I'll never forget, I walked into one of my locations, and as I was walking in and, and coming across the floor, this guy all the way on the other side just yells, Chaplain, I need Jesus today. I was as shocked as anybody. Like, all right. So we met halfway across the floor, and he accepted Christ right there in front of God and everybody. It was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are learning. These are things we get excited about. It was awesome. But then I started thinking after I left there, you know, I know some other Christians that are there in that workplace. Why did he, why did he have to wait for the chaplain to get there? He didn't have to wait for me. And so what I, what I dream of is a, and what Jesus dreams of, this is his mission, is a group of people that, that are in the workplace all throughout the week and in the grocery store all throughout the week looking for these opportunities to say, God, who is ripe? Who is ready? Who is looking for you today? Who's sitting in the tree today? And how can I minister to them? Listen, it's going to be a long time if you ever have an experience where you walk in and they're like, hey, I need Jesus. And you get to do that. That's, that's not normal, but it may happen. But you need to know that those people are there and they're standing there at work or they're sitting behind their desk or they're at the store and life has just happened to them and you never know who's hurting. You never know who's laying in the middle of the road, proverbially speaking. That you can walk up and be the medic spiritually to their life. You are here to do God's mission. And let me tell you this. When the people of God forget about all the issues that divide, and we begin to unite on this one thing, to do the mission of Christ, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Oh, that's pathetic. I'm just teasing. Good job, Dad. We need to be like a mother running for her child who is, who is laying in the street. I saw this this week. See the kid on the motorcycle? That was him leaving his neighborhood that morning. And this next is a video of his mama. Almost uh, Life drive. This next video is a video of his mama running down the tollway because her son was ran over or ran, ran off the road there in, on the tollway on his motorcycle. And that is the passion that you and I, by the way, he's okay. He's okay. But you can imagine the heart beating in that mother as she's going down the road wondering, is he okay? Is he alive? What's going on with my son? And you and I have got to begin to see that the people in our lives around us, there are times 
that they are ready, they're laying in the road, they're waiting for someone to come by who will just share hope and truth and be a medic for them. The Good Samaritan. Somebody that will make a difference in their life. So how do you do it? Reaching the lost takes focus. Takes focus. How do you do it? Number one, you got to pray for an opportunity. Pray for it. Ask God, show me the way. Have your eyes and ears tuned in for the signs that someone is ready around you. Put yourself in places that it could happen. When you walk into the lunchroom at work, instead of going over and sitting with the crowd, look around. Is there somebody by themselves that doesn't mind if I just come over and say hi to them and maybe even have a seat with them? Who's by themselves today? If you do go sit with a crowd, pray, Father, is there an opportunity for me to say something to sow one seed to this small group of people today? During the day, watch for someone in distress. Watch for someone laying in the road that might be there waiting for you to come by. Someone in the tree waiting for you to come by. Watch for it. Pay attention. Be ready. Look to see also who's watching you. See if you can spot who's watching your life to see if you have what they need. And there's all kinds of symptoms because they're using things that, to try to deal with their life, to try to make them feel happy, to try to cope with what they can't change. They're using things, doing things, and you know them. And so you know that they're in pain. You know that they're laying in the middle of the road. Run to them. Help them if you can. And be thinking, God, man, Jesus, and response. What part of this message that I, can I give to them that would be encouraging today? So one, you got to pray. Second, be ready to share your story. You've got a story that is unique. All of your experiences and all of that, they're waiting to hear it. Begin to share what Jesus has done in your life. How you were hopeless or how your life was messed up or how your life was in the gutter and what Jesus did for you or how you thought that you were perfect and you come to realize that you still need Jesus. He will use you to reach people that only you can reach maybe. If you were hopeless, he gave you hope. Tell them about it. If you were bitter, he gave you the opportunity to forgive them. Tell them about it. Share your story with them. If you were abused, you were able to forgive. Why? Because Jesus forgave me. If you were struggling, you've been a person of perseverance that they can look to and say, man, how are they so strong to keep going through that? I love Miss Connie. How many of you love Connie? The wheelchair Connie, right? Harvey's Connie. I say wheelchair because it's important. I don't know if you know this or not, but that woman is in so much pain every moment of her life. And when she comes in here and she wheels around and rolls over your feet, she is hurting. She is in pain. But how many of you can see Connie smiling in your face? She has purpose. She has meaning. I've watched her. She'll just go everywhere in here like she owns the place. It's wonderful. And she wants to talk to every one of you because she, she loves you. You've heard from her. She wants to text you. I've had to tell her, I'm sorry, I can't give you that person's phone number. 
Because I don't just want to give it out willy-nilly, you know, I want you guys to trust me, you know what I'm saying? But she wants to know, can I talk to this person? Can I reach out to them? That's Connie. Why? Because she understands that she has a mission, and it's the mission of Christ, and it's part of her mission in life is to make you feel loved and welcome, no matter how long she has to sit in that wheelchair because that disease of polio, it's, it's awful that she's in that, but thank God she has not given up, and she's still doing the mission of Christ in her life. Number three, sow seed or water the seed that's already there. One of the reasons I love chaplain work is because we have a big team, and, and, it, and I may be coming into a new location that another chaplain has been serving for 10 years, and it's so wonderful to see this, how they have sown seed and watered it along the way, and sometimes I have the opportunity to finally lead that person to Christ. It's teamwork. And I understand that it's not because, well, I came in and I had a different message. No. I was in that moment when finally it was time for that seed to grow. And God made a difference. What if I wasn't there? What if you aren't there? What if you are there and you're just not paying attention? Are you thinking about this? Number four, be ready to pray with them. This is so important. Be ready to pray with them. How do you do that? Well, start praying in your own personal life out loud. When you're praying out loud, you're hearing yourself say words to Almighty God and start practicing that. And then when you come to church for one of our small groups or if you want to pray on Wednesday night, start praying in front of people. Offer your, op offer your prayer as an option. Let yourself hear you pray and let others validate, hey, that was a good prayer. Or, ah, that one was rough, but try next week. <laughs> you got to put yourself out there. Practice at home, practice here. We're a safe group. Even if you mess up, we can't leave you. We have to love you. Pray in front of people as much as you can. Be ready to pray for somebody right then and there. Because their life is counting on, on you sometimes. And here's, here's, here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about being an Amway salesperson that's doing like evangelism, you know, where everybody's like, oh, here they come. They've got an agenda. You have an agenda, but it's just to follow Christ and him to take you where he wants you today. For you to have influence to lead others to Christ, James David, would you come? It takes them seeing that you're a real person with real life struggles with real past, with mistakes, failures, experiences. Me, I have sin in my past. Am I alone? I have sin in my present, I'm sure. And I have sin in my future. Thank Jesus for his blood. Amen. Me, I've had financial hardship. I've had my house burn. I've lost a wife. I've had a lot of pain and struggles in my life. 
How much more do I have to go through before I have some street cred? How much more do you have to go through? They need to see a real person. Secondly, they see you find your confidence and hope and strength, sanity, peace, and courage in Jesus. They need to see that. Perseverance. And it takes others seeing you do what Zacchaeus did. Making things right. It takes them seeing that. Listen, they don't need to see somebody that's perfect at work. Somebody that does everything just right. Somebody that doesn't make a mistake. Somebody that doesn't commit sin. They don't need to see that. They need to see somebody that knows how to go back and make things right and do things right on the backside of your mistake. On the back, Listen, if you, if you mess up the copier and you cover that up, what's that going to do? I don't know who messed up the copier. And they're like, we know you did it. No, I, don't, I didn't mess up the copier. I don't know. I need to be perfect. I need, I'm a Christian. I can't mess things up. No, you go back and make things right and you go fix the copier. Or you go and tell someone, hey, I messed this up. You understand what I'm saying? When we hide our failures and mistakes like that, just go back and make it right. And when they see you do that, that's true. Those bumper stickers, I'm, I'm forgiven. Or uh, to be honest with you, I hate when someone says, I am blessed and highly favored. Well, good for you. sinner saved by grace that will win the lost that will win the lost I am a sinner saved by grace a few more tips just as we conclude recognize your environment is your mission field your environment is your mission field people you're around throughout the week that's your mission field where you work where you shop your neighbors that's your mission field and begin to see your daily life as the mission from God he puts you there he put you there and if he's going to move you to another spot he'll put you there because you yielded your life to it Secondly, engage. Don't distance yourself because you're a believer. Engage. Get to know the people. Doesn't matter what their background is. Doesn't matter what their struggles are. Doesn't matter who they are. Listen, we're not, we are not ashamed or afraid of people's sin. But John, did you see what they look like? I don't care what they look like. This may be that moment that Jesus, did you see how they're dressed? This might be that moment that Jesus had. There might be Zacchaeus sitting in the tree. I don't care. Engage. And don't be afraid to go sit by them at work. Don't be afraid to go engage, the, engage that conversation with them. Or a friendship, trying to, trying to help them to see that you do love them. Number three, be a peacemaker, not a pot stirrer. In your neighborhood, be a peacemaker. Mow your lawn. Let people see that you do care about the value of their homes. At work, standing around the water cooler, don't be talking about the boss. Amen? Okay, now I'm meddling. If you're talking bad about your boss and others, engaging in conflict, that's called a gossip. Peacemakers create peace where there isn't any peace.
and they keep peace where there is. Pot stirrers create chaos where there's peace and relish when there's chaos. And here's the charge that Jesus gave you. In fact, would you stand for this? You are the salt of the earth. This is your new identity. You are the salt. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. This is your identity. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And if it gives light to all who are in the house, and it gives light to all who are in the house, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They're going to see your life. They're going to see your good works. Even if you mess up, they're going to see you make it, make it right. They're going to see your good works. And then they will glorify. Wow, God truly is alive in that person's life. And number four, pray for them. Above all, pray. Prayer breaks chains. It breaks chains. Chains of bondage, chains of darkness, pray for them. Pray for God's spirit to draw them to him, and he will. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do today. I want you to put their names, the people that you're thinking about, on the prayer list. Take a care card out, put, them, put their names on the, on the care card, we'll put them on the salvation list. We've had some get saved because of that list. Put their name on the list. Let us pray with you for them. And we'll trust Him with that. So today, I want to send you out by saying, Go. Go into all the world. Preach the good news. Preach the gospel. Listen, we're reaching the lost all around this world today. Do you know that? It's a missions church. And because you give to missions, because you do something like that, people are getting saved. But you have been assigned personally to certain people. Don't take it for granted that God's just going to save them. Watch for them. In the name of Jesus, go. Go. Go have lunch. Witness to somebody. Go to work. Share Christ. Be Christ. Be the light. Be the salt. Go. In Jesus' name. You're equipped. You're being sent. Now get out of here.